This is All Things ANSYS, a podcast from the technical support staff at PADT. Episode 95, we look at enhancements in ANSYS HFSS 2021 R2 and review news and events from around the world. Welcome, I'm Eric Miller, one of the owners of PADT, and I'm recording this from the Air Force Academy Hampton Inn in beautiful Colorado Springs, Colorado. We are exhibiting at the Space Symposium, our second out-of-state conference. Uh, PADT is in several booths. One that we are sharing with three other Arizona companies, Freefall Aerospace, Advitech Pacific, and Qualtech. Freefall and Avitech are both ANSYS users and PADT customers, which I'm happy to have them with us today, or this whole week. We're also in a booth for EOS and Flonex and in the Stratasys booth. So if you see any of us wandering around the conference, please say hi and let us know that you listened to the podcast. I want to apologize for getting this episode out late as well. Last week was busy at my house as we packed up our older son to return to the University of Utah for in-person classes, and our youngest is off as a freshman to San Diego State University. And I'll be honest, um, when we got back from driving the younger uh, kid to San Diego and then back, get him into his dorm and then moving back again... I had no energy for anything, including this podcast. So here I am in my hotel room trying to catch up before I head off to the conference this morning um, and uh, talking about all things ANSYS. So I apologize for being a little late. For our interview in this episode, I virtually sat down uh, last week with Alexander Gavarov, one of our electromagnetic experts, to talk about what is new in HFSS 2021. Let's listen in to see what he has to share. Welcome. Today, we are going to be talking about HFSS with uh, our in-house expert. Alexander is joining us from uh, outside of Denver today. How's it going up there? Hi, Rick. Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. A little smoky, but overall, not too bad. Not as hot as uh, Arizona. It's humid here right now, so we're 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 complaining. We're just a bunch of whiny people right now because of the humidity. So, um, so if it's too hot, you guys whining. If it's too too humid, you whining. Exactly. We all want to live in San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> this is as close as we can get. <laughs> but uh, what we're here to talk about today, actually, is HFSS and what's new because was uh, we've got a new release twenty twenty. R2 came out a couple, maybe close to a month ago now, right? Um, and um, we'd, we'd love to, to hear from you what you think is cool and, and what, what users need to look at. And uh, I guess I'll just start with that. You know, what's, what's the thing that got you the most excited when you, when you started playing with uh, Release 2? Yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's a quite a bit of uh, number of features coming in released in, uh, you know, the last month pretty much. Um, I would say, well, first of all, first of all, we have to mention that HFS has always, every release, they're trying to upgrade their um, algorithms and the way how everything working. So it means it's every release gets faster and consumes less uh, memory. So it's kind of right. a constant battle. <laughs> so mm -hmm. it, it it's never been... Um, highlighted anymore because it's like well it's obvious we're trying to yeah. make it faster, right? <laughs> yeah. kind of expected at this point yeah 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 if we see something something not being improved in that way then people usually like asking questions <laughs> mm -hmm. so but yeah there's a uh, several uh, cool features several few new features um uh, i would say still a couple better features so if we're talking about sbr plus shooting bouncing ray 
uh, there is a few updates there happen. And actually the SBR Plus application is a quite a, um, quite quite nice <laughs> in the customer perspective only because it, it allows a lot of different calculations to do. And uh, you know basically what happens is if you have antennas in trying to see how it works in the in real life, real real time scenario, um, you're placing in uh, some large objects and trying to understand what's how they uh, communicate and what's you know how it looks like in terms of uh, wave propagation sort of and um, directivity mm -hmm. for antennas. So that's what you're going to use a shooting bouncing ray for. And so a few of the improvements there, and now I'm just going to kind of name them and see if we can if we need to go in in depth. So one of them is the, now we have really metric. Uh, okay. approach for 3D dielectrics there. Uh, another new thing there, we have spherical wave expansion. That's a special file type. We can bring it in now. So um, the, the file type SWE, just, just in case anyone <laughs> anyone knows that uh -huh. better than <laughs> what it means stands for. Uh, so then we also have the range Doppler data, which we can export into LSDyna. Okay. Yeah, I think it's LSDyna. Um, and then we have antenna blockage for is, is you know SBR plus in hybrid mode. So, and that basically means that we we can place some objects in a way of the antenna's communication and see how that affects um, the transmission receiving path and channel. So okay. So that's kind of a couple of features. And um, now I'm gonna move on straight into the different subject, I guess. Okay. Um, and, and I'm still trying to kind of stay high level. <laughs> yes. Just, yeah. <laughs> it's hard. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> this release was actually pretty good about number of features. And uh, uh, every single tool has at least three or four major ones. Wow. Wow. So, yeah. So that's why Chip says. So SBR Plus is a good, it's a good one we just talked about. So antenna arrays. That mm -hmm. is one of the most demanding uh, topics actually throughout us to our customers and uh, we have multiple multiple companies who always is trying or trying to figure out what to do with their arrays and how to define them properly um, and so antenna arrays is one of the big topics here and now the improvements happen in the in a certain area so one of them is the fast embedded element pattern ex extraction so which means well it's basically just you know, without going into you know deep details, it's basically just different type of uh, pattern you know extraction for the okay. antenna arrays, and and just to give give the overview of the about antenna array, it's actually is array of antennas. That's that's a real mm -hmm. straightforward definition mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. So like, because uh, I'm I'm just thinking maybe it's some mechanical. You know, folks will be you know listening to this one. Exactly. <laughs> as well. Exactly. What do we mean by that? Yeah. 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 Right. So yeah, because the first time when I heard it, I was like, first of all, hmm, I think it sounds like array of antennas. But second, is that really that straightforward? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so so then the uh, other option here with antenna arrays, there's improved fields efficiency actually for 3D component arrays. And 3D component arrays is, is this kind of same same type of thing. Is is basically we when we try to bring antennas, we can design the antenna and uh, make array out of that. Or we can also bring three component, mm. which will be antennas. So it's a very similar concept. It's just different different workflows. So that's why here in improved field efficiency for that workflow specifically. So 
And then we also have a custom layout and waits for array post-processing. So once you solve everything, then you go in the post-processing uh, procedures and that's that's when you have some some different options to 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 play around with. So okay. so so my understanding is the reason why we're doing this is that and and I, I see this peripherally with our customers, it seems like a lot of people are using these arrays to do these complicated antenna that that point rather than having an actual you know we all think of the the parabolic dish on a gimbal right, right. instead of that we're actually using these arrays to do it is that correct so relatively true relatively mm -hmm. true and most of the time people when they refer to antenna arrays they think mm -hmm. about phase array antennas okay so in phase array basically what do you, what do you you know how we can visualize that imagine let's say um eight by eight uh, mm -hmm. Kind of like a chess board, oh, actually a chessboard. Yeah. <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs> and so then you put a uh, put little um, put a little metal which can um, receive or transmit energy. Mm -hmm. And so and each of that component actually uh, works at specific uh, phase. Well, not not phase. So it's it, they all offsets on the phase. Mm -hmm. uh, so basically, when the whole uh, system works, every um, one element of this array actually transmit or receive energy in mm -hmm. specific phase uh, ah, okay. pattern. Okay. So like in this case, it's just more constant and more accurate. You don't have just the pulses, you know, going back and mm -hmm. forth. You actually have kind of pretty constant, uh, you know, connectivity with, with, with whatever communication channel you have. So nice. that's, that's kind of the reason we have the arrays here. So just we can incorporate multiple antennas who work on a different, um, Maybe even timing schedule, we can call it that. Okay. okay. <laughs> so just make it more stable. Ah, okay. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, and so, it definitely seems to be a growth area. More and more oh, people are using sure. those. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's, that's uh, yeah, honestly, I think out of all the support cases I had recently for the for the past month, I think at least a third of that was about antenna arrays in, in a different, in different wow. form. And <laughs> all those questions came in. <laughs> so, well, I'm glad they're, I'm glad they're improving it then. Good. Yeah. Yeah. We do need that. <laughs> um, so there are other small things, um, you know, just kind of name the improvements for yes. HFSS. So there is a auto create PC cap for internal wave ports. And that's actually one of the interesting things because, um, Lots of new users, I guess there's also not only new, also advanced users as well, also were a little bit confused. So they were always have a misconception about the PEC cap, which is well perfect electric, you know, conductor kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So when you create a port uh, and it's it's not touching the metal, for example, you, you know, you, you always have to create this PEC cap, which is the uh, conductive uh, area for the waveboard to be backed by, uh, in order to actually keep keep the model, uh, you know, running and be, being able to actually work properly. So, and always you have to have this little cap put on manually. And so I had, and the problem is that sometimes people just forget. They 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 wanted to put a cap, but they get distracted, and then they forget to put a cap, and then they're like, well, all right, let's run the model, and it doesn't work. Mm. <laughs> and uh, we also we had a couple of customers who came to us and says, hey, my model is not working, and we're like, uh, yeah, right here. <laughs> why <laughs> why didn't you put a cap here? And then they're like, oh, I thought I did. Okay, great. <laughs> So now that process is auto, auto, automated now. So it's auto creation of the PEC cap. So that that kind of takes takes a little bit pressure from the development, uh, 
from the engineers, developing engineers. So it's kind of nice. Um, and um, one more kind of easy feature, although I'm pretty sure it was not easy to develop <laughs> from yeah. programming, but still it was pretty easy uh, to talk about. So it's a far field uh, partial derivatives in the tuning. So once you have, once you, once you do some tuning of the antennas and you're trying to basically, um, it's kind of like optimization process. Okay. So you're trying to tune certain uh, certain parameters to, me, to be able to uh, do whatever you want to do for this antennas. Um, and so, yeah, so now you can actually do some partial derivatives in those tuning for the far field. Um, it, it's only um, really useful for the people who, who does that uh, kind of procedures and who actually care about far field patterns. So that's that's why I think it's small improvements, although it's it's kind of it's kind of big in the effort <laughs> area. Yes. Yeah. So. Okay. And just maybe a couple of beta features just to kind of point them out as well. Uh, there's a yes. few of those. Um, and actually one of them will be perfect, perfect transition into the 3D layout if we will be, uh, you know, if we have time to talk about that one too. But so the first beta feature, which is, which is nice to, to have. So it's, um, so we, we can always, we have DC point um, calculations using Q3D extractor. A okay. uh, little background on this, that Q3D extractor is more superior um, tool, I guess we can, yeah, it, it is a tool, but in this case, we're using the engine only. So 3D, uh, Q3D Extractor has a really strong superior solution for DC um, uh, point when we're solving anything, basically. It, it doesn't matter, PCB, antennas, um, anything, any structure. So DC point is have better accuracy and better um, you know, calculation style in a Q3D. So now it is a better feature now in ChipSS. So instead of instead of solving DC point in a ChipSS, which is by the way across the industry, it's not it's not a secret. It's a, it's a, across the industry, um, full wave solution, uh, 3D EM solution. They they don't usually have really accurate calculations for DC points, only because there, there are limitations in physics behind this. So usually, what all the companies do, um, including including the ANSYS and all the other competitors, they calculate all the way to the lowest point of frequency. It it's not DC, it's not zero hertz. It's a something really really close, maybe ten hertz, right? They calculate that and then they extrapolate to DC. So so yeah, in this case. Uh, HFSS uh, has this this um, you know uh, algorithm to do, but now with this beta feature, we actually trying to embark and uh, onto calculating the DC point actually exactly. So in this case, there the, the, there will be no um, you know errors in extrapolation because sometimes we we have seen models when the customer solve those things, and then they okay. get to the DC point, and then it's really off, and then the question, so why is that off? we start looking at the uh, extrapolation patterns and it's just using the wrong method, for example. So I guess it's a little bit too much information for this oh, little. <laughs> yeah, if you need that feature, it's really important. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I, I, I like this <laughs> philosophy. <laughs> so, and then there's a, uh, also better feature of uh, our discharge simulation. Okay. Um, I, again, kind of niche. But at the same time, it's still important uh, because you're looking for discharging, um, well, information how you how you how your energy leaves your product in this case, 
Okay. And the last feature for HFSS, for bit better feature I would like to mention, um, it's enhancement of a mesh fusion. And I'm pretty oh. sure most of the people have this <laughs> have this already ingrained in the brain, <laughs> mesh fusion, uh, you know, new technology. So now it's enhanced, enhanced setup and process processing of that mesh fusion. Okay. So just, just basic improvements to that that new way yes. of meshing in HFSS, yeah, which is right, which has been working really well for us, right? And mesh mesh fusion's been one of has been a really nice enhancement, right? That's true. That's true. yeah. I mean, at first it was introduced. I think it was a twenty one or one. I think mm -hmm, if mm -hmm. not early, but I think it was twenty one or one. And then, well, with with the COVID now, <laughs> all my dates are. Off. I know. I I can never remember. It's I I just <laughs> yeah. add a year to what I think it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, relatively yes. So, uh, but yeah, I think it was released in twenty one or one, and mm -hmm. it was still mesh. Uh, still beta for mesh fusion. Mm -hmm. yes. And I think now, since it was better before, so now they keep keep taking the notes from the customers and like, oh, understanding the process and maybe certain workflows which can be improved and then they just improve that. So I think that's why it's enhancements uh, for mesh fusion set up and process here. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then in general, uh, this is that feature which I'm, I'm saying that has the connection, perfect connection with 3D layout. Good. Um, and um, yeah, if, if you, if you feel like that's the good good time to talk about that, yeah, because because <laughs> okay. again, I, I I do see some of the tech support calls, and this, you know, the the ability to read in the, these layouts tends to be a a common thing. So yeah, definitely. Right. Okay. Okay. That's perfect. Yeah, because that's the thing. I mean, HFSS and HFSS three layout. There is a reason why HFSS is in the names in both of those names. Yes. <laughs> so. So it's kind of they they kind of go along together pretty well, and so mesh fusion it's basically it's it's the technology for HFSS when you trying to um try trying to add multiple different meshing algorithms together, um so you got, I guess you're just fusing those algorithms together and letting the computer to decide which one to use in a in, in a better in a better way for different objects in the different components. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so if you have, let's say, antenna placed in some big um, surface or something like that, um, then the mesh fusion automatic algorithm will be able to figure out how to mesh, um, how to adaptively mesh the large objects over there and the small object, uh, you know, and figure out what to do with all the electrics in between, for example, or if, if there's anything happening in the even smaller sizes. And in this case, it will be able to optimize the meshing. So it will be able to do um, faster, I guess, you know, and less memory consumption for that. So mesh is one of the biggest things in our world, in a simulation world here. If you have the poor mesh, you're not gonna get good results. <laughs> and the mm -hmm. same thing, if you wanna have really, really detailed mesh, you're not gonna make it fast. It will take it forever because that tiny mesh is really tough to calculate. So, so that's why Mesh Fusion was here, and um, right. <clears throat> and something uh, along the same lines in each of that 3D layout, there is a new Phi uh, Plus Mesher, also better feature, but it's a Phi uh, Plus Mesher. Kind of goes with the same uh, philosophy of trying to use multiple multiple different uh, mesh technologies on the objects which has multiple different um, 
application in this case, I guess. Okay. So, so I'll, I'll, I'll give example. So if you have in 3D layout um, an object, which is, let's say, it, um, it, a piece of a PCB, print circuit board. So it has, let's say, layered st st structure, four layer or 44 layers, doesn't matter. So you have this structure. Then you have on top IC positioned. Right, I see the you know integrated circuit. You have this position there, um, and so you have the you 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 you'll need to have some sort of connection there. So you're gonna use solder bolts to connect that structure of the PCB with this IC. Instead mm -hmm. of IC, most likely you're gonna have uh, another. Well, the IC what it stands for integrated circuit. Why it's why it's that because you're actually integrating the multiple different circuits. <laughs> so right. in this case, you're putting the also bond wires inside of the IC oh. on the structure. Okay. So all together, that's come to the point of having multiple different types of things. So you have solder balls, which is spherical air, you know, areas of metal. <clears throat> then you have also structured layer uh, on the PCB side of things. And then you also have the bond wires, which is is is, is kind of like a, what well, I guess well you can call it a tube, I guess, or you know one of those yeah. things. <laughs> so it's that structure. So and that's the reason why we have Phi Masher uh, kind of goes along with philosophy of mesh fusion. So we're using uh, this this masher to be able to uh, to mesh all these structures in different fashion, but with really good accuracy. So this why this is the reason why we can now process. Uh, the IC on the packages, uh, PCB with with components on them, or maybe even multi-zone PCB uh, with uh, let's say rigid flex because you know rigid flex is a different structure for PCB. Right. So that is basically it's VMasher and Mesh Fusion chip assess both of those opening up a huge land of opportunities for for um, antenna designer and for PCB designers. So, because that now you can actually, in, you know, bring the whole your product. Because we used to be able to only bring, let's say, PCB and solve it, but now you can, you know, you can bring everything you have. ICs, no problem. Uh, bonds, wire bonds, no problem. Everything. <laughs> and I've and I've I've dealt with that on the structural thermal side. Um, I'm so glad that that's available because uh, it, you you end up not being able to model uh, things accurately or your model's so huge you can't run it. So uh, being able yeah. to do this uh, approach should uh, should solve that problem in a nice way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right, right. And plus, plus as well, I mean, if you're thinking about um, in electronic world, all the components, you know, when they're next to each other, PCB with antennas, with the ICs and a package, everything, they're really so small nowadays. If you put them into one little device, like let's say your Apple Watch, <laughs> so you put everything together inside of one tiny yes. little sp space. So you might as well try to figure out how they all work together. And in this case, you don't have to split your models in a different tools or different solutions and understand like, oh, you know, my IC works this way. My PCB works this way. Okay, great. Well, how, how about, you know, put them together and see how they work. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and I do blame Apple for pushing the technology <laughs> on a lot of this because they do such a amazing and they're Ansys users, uh, but they do such an amazing job at packaging more complicated stuff in even smaller spaces. Um, and we have to figure out how to model it all. So um, yeah. I think it's I'm I'm glad that they are HFSS and and related product user because uh, it really helps. Uh, they're definitely pushing the envelope as as I think is could be said of Qualcomm as well. Um, exactly. Yeah, the, exactly. Those companies really, really are pushing it. Yeah. Well, and that's a good point because also that leads to the fact that since we're making so smaller things, now we also start thinking about the wavelength as well, right? So because higher frequency is a smaller wavelength. So if we, you know, minimizing everything and putting them in a small, tiny spaces, well, then we might as well start using the small, like a small wavelength in a high frequency mode and be able to uh, have a communication at that level. And that's yeah. talking about, you know, 5G and 6G and, you know, everything. Uh, by the way, 6G is a thing now. I, <laughs> I just oh, really? There's reading. a new one? <laughs> they just started, no! <laughs> yeah, we're already late. We're already late. <laughs> <you know. laughs> uh, the first time I remember uh, 6G was mentioned, it was in 2017. And it was just a concept, you know, <laughs> proven concept. That people start saying stuff like that. Oh, like, oh yeah, well, let's have a meeting, talk about 6G. And now it's actually a thing because people are thinking about those frequencies and actually you know the effects in there. And, and like, you <laughs> know, I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be quick and crazy, like as usual. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's amazing. So, uh, so any changes to the user interface uh, that are worth noting? I think it's pretty pretty much the same, right? Um, quite a bit, quite a bit. Everything is most likely the same. There's a maybe few changes, but very minor ones. Good. Okay. Um, so, for example, like again, like in the ChipSS world, right? So, in the ChipSS uh, interface, um, new features. Let's say um, for exporting, you know, range range Doppler data file export, exporting, you just mm -hmm. have a one extra option basically. So, like, just very small things um, here and there. Mm -hmm. The only bigger things which we have is the other tools connected to HFSS and the layout as well, let's say up this lane. So okay. it, it's a small change by having one extra button, but that's a huge functionality in, in improvement in terms of being able to bring up this lane into the HFSS uh, model in everything. Because yeah, we used to have only pretty much up to metrics and the uh, you know, designer explorer, for example. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but now, OptiSlang being being a you know good tool available for us as well. So now there's a button which you click, and you actually gonna get a different uh, GUI uh, comes up, and you'll be able to mm -hmm. set up your project um, within a HFSS environment. But it will just translate all the the data information into OptiSlang engine and run that on the background. So huge. Improvement, but only one button <laughs> change. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that is big, and and if regardless of which physics tools you use, um, as OptiSlang gets cut, built into more and more of them, it really is upping our optimization game. Uh, it's pretty powerful stuff. So if you haven't looked at it, you really should, because um, you you may not be familiar with it, because it really kind of came from the fluids and so, and solid side of things, a mecha uh, physical uh, mechanical side of things. So um, right, yeah, you know, having it having it available now in HFSS is, uh, I think, going to open a lot of doors um, to a lot more what-if studies, you know, exactly. optimizing that design, yeah.
Yeah, cool. Well, that's exactly true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else out there uh, worth worth bringing up? Well, so that's something which I thought about. So, I mean, I have to confess, it was a little trick from my side. It's mm-hmm. only for people who stay in all the way for the for through this thirty <laughs> minutes of this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a benefit, you know. If if you leave early, then I'm sorry, you're not gonna. You, you're gonna miss it. it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, Ansys has actually partnered with the EMA 3D tool. Mm-hmm. And that's mostly for cable um, harnesses and for uh, different discharge uh, simulations and everything. But the thing is, also ChipAssess, they introduced another, well, it already had this functionality about cable modeling, but mm-hmm. now it's been enhanced and have now slight comparison with this EMA3D uh, solution. And so now, technically, this is this is what it is. So if, if anyone has the cable problems or cable modeling ideas or they just simply have a cable next to their uh, antennas or anything now you can generate the model and solve it within mm-hmm. hfss and within ma3d which is technically well now i guess it's a part of a solution mm-hmm. <laughs> so but but it's but it's still it, it has a really nice capability for people who has the cables um and so yeah so you can definitely bring that you know, into your model and, and solve it. So cable modeling enhancement is a still better feature, but it's it's a big, it's a big, especially considering that there is also EMA3D in the horizon and it's, you know, serving as a helping or maybe even superior in, in a certain ways uh, tool, which ENSYS mm-hmm. also can, can provide. So that's mm-hmm. something which <laughs> which is worth of, you know, having as a reward. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so the, our listeners may not, they may not be working on the cabling part of things, but there's probably somebody in your company that is, and you guys need to take a look at this product. I mean, it's a, it's, it's from a company that's there in, in Denver, right? If I remember correctly. That's true. Yep, yeah, yep. Yep, yep. I pass, pass by their office once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> so, so local, local ground to, to your neighborhood. Um, and, um, it's really powerful and, I mean, I remember actually reading in the news about a cabling mishap, a crosstalk uh, problem with a digital system. Um, mm-hmm. in, in, in unfortunately, the Boeing and other folks are just struggling, and this this kind of got lost in all the other problems they're having. But, um, you know, I, yeah. I just, of course, being the guy I am, um, they, uh, um, you know, if they would use a simulation tool, I wonder if they would have had that problem. Um, Right, right, yeah. It's basically if every time you have have an electronic product which mm-hmm. has energy in it, antennas, PCB, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Anything which has energy flow somewhere somehow, and if mm-hmm. you have the cable next to it, so there is a possibility of some problems. But only because the cables are you know have a shield that's mm-hmm. pretty, it's great. But sometimes the shield is not as effective as it is, or maybe right. in certain areas it's bent certain ways then it still creates some sort of, you know, uh, well, en- enhancements of energy and it's going to get coupling and that's messing with the electronics. And, you know, at this point, when we, again, same thing, when we have the little tiny, you know, watches now, <laughs> which has everything together in there, yes, e- even one little cable creating some little tiny energy can actually mess with things pretty well. So that's the solution you want to use to be able to find and resolve that. 
for sure. And it's given it's and then don't even and I, I of course went right to aircraft cabling, but you're right, yeah. it's even in your watch, right? That, that's yeah. It's a it's basically a wire is basically an antenna, and if it's not shielded exactly right, you can get these issues. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, cool. Um Great addition to the end there. Um, I always appreciate it. I always learn something a little bit new. One of these days, I'll actually understand how <laughs> electromagnetics works. Um, I don't know if you saw it. This is this is totally off subject, but I'll bring it up because we have a little bit of time. Did you see how they used an accelerator to turn light into matter? Uh, one of the uh, national labs. I I heard about it. I I, I think mm -hmm. LinkedIn was heavily a post about this, and I yeah. saw it. I was like, oh, that's an interesting. That's a yep. cool topic. But then I of course I keep scrolling because yeah. yeah, I <laughs> I, yeah. I, 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 I dug into it and um uh, and I bring it up because I I wonder if uh, we need to add a new module now to to HFSS to uh, model that uh, that physics so that we can actually generate because I, I, what I really want is that transporter from Star Trek right so I figure <laughs> oh, if I can turn okay. photons into matter I'm getting closer so well, so I mean, look, look for that. <laughs> Ansys does have uh, you know all America now, so it's, it's yeah. photonics. <laughs> so That's I think right. they go along with your <laughs> with your ideas. Just combine that with some some high high energy electromagnetics and uh, and a little bit of quantum mechanics, and maybe we've got something there. So soon, we'll see. Soon. I, soon, I bet it will be soon. Yeah. <laughs> something else for us to learn and share. Yes. Right. Right. <laughs> Well, so. you, you have a great um, uh, rest of the week and uh, stay safe uh, out there because things are getting nasty again. And uh, we will talk yeah. to you soon about uh, these these very topics. Well, that sounds good. So thanks, Eric, again for inviting me over here. Mm -hmm. And just as my closing note for mm -hmm. any student who listening to us, I will mm -hmm. say that please check out the uh, uh, right. new yeah. licensing, <laughs> I guess. It's pretty mm -hmm. much a free licensing for students for ChipSS, Maxwell, Q3D, iSpec, Electronics uh, Pro itself. So yeah, lots of different things there now for students. Now you guys finally getting lucky. <laughs> yes. I, I, yeah, it's, it's amazing. And uh, uh, I think it's great. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I always forget that it's because it wasn't there for a long time. So students exactly. definitely be using if you're using some code your prof wrote, you know, tell them you're still using it, but go download HFSS. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> All right. Have a good one. All right. Thank you. Thanks, sir. Bye. Bye. Okay. So Alexander will be going over what we talked about and the additional items on Wednesday, 825 on brighttalk.com. Don't worry if you missed it. Uh, you can go back and uh, listen to the recording and watch it um, as a recording. That's on brighttalk.com. If you go there, you can search for PDT and you can find this webinar and all of our webinars on that site. And let's turn our discussion on HFSS into this episode's commercial, sort of, kind of. You may not be a user of high-frequency tools in ANSYS, or maybe one of the half-dozen other or so physics that ANSYS now simulates, and your company may not have any experts to go to when you need simulations beyond your area of expertise. What do you do in this situation? Well, you can call PADT. We are expert users of most of the ANSYS products and system-level simulation of fluid thermal systems in Flonex, and our consulting team is here to help. So reach out to info at PADTINC.com or call us at 480-813-4884, and let's talk about how we can help you bring more physics into your simulations. Don't hesitate to reach out. Um, like I said, pretty much everything we can do. 
So uh, let's take a look at the ANSYS stock. It closed yesterday, August 23rd at 357.02. So it's edged up a little bit from some recent drops, but it's still hanging out about the same place that it started for the year. So it hasn't really seen uh, year-to-date growth that we were hoping for, but we'll see how things progress through the second half of the year. Um, also, there's nothing new or exciting news-wise from either PADT or ANSYS, so nothing to report there. And um, there are some really good articles in the ANSYS blog that I wanted to talk about. And as usual, we pick, I picked three. Um, one of them that I really liked is called Three Key Enhancements in the New Release of ANSYS Twin Builder. So Twin Builder is the system level simulation tool uh, for virtual prototyping and things like that. And it's really come a long way in recent releases. Um, the This one talks about some new things. And the, the one that really caught my attention is improvements in the area of reduced order models, which of course is the foundation of this kind of simulation. But there's some other things as well. So um, if you are doing system level or if you want to take a look at system level or doing virtual prototyping, twin building, uh, take a look at the ANSYS Twin Builder article in the blog, the ANSYS blog, this, uh, recently in the last couple weeks, I think they put it out. And um, also, please do read Shedding Light on a Shadowy Target. This is a write-up uh, in the blog on the work that Arizona State University has been doing, the Luminosity Lab, on lunar exploration. Um, and uh, they've been on the podcast. They were We had them come on and talk about how they were using ANSYS for this product. So you should be familiar with it if you're a regular listener. And you can read more about it on the blog and how they use ANSYS. It's a really cool to see these undergraduates, uh, especially, uh, get so much done and, and uh, leverage the power of a lot of different tools, including ANSYS, to get there. And the last recommendation is simulation process and data management made easier. And it's a look at the ANSYS Minerva product, something we don't talk about probably as much as we should on the podcast. It's a data management tool for simulation built on an open source platform, but customized for what we do in our everyday uh, work world. And um, if you're not familiar with it or you haven't looked at it in a while, this is a great article to kind of look at some of the different cool things you can do um, for both data management and making your processes automated or a little more streamlined or consistent. So do check that out as well at the ANSYS blog, and that's at blog.ansys.com. PDT-wise, um, we published uh, uh, some more Flonex user tips, and we also put out a new video from Kang Lee, um, again, exploring different uh, low-frequency electromagnetic tools in ANSYS, and this one's called Magnetic Gear Optimization with ANSYS Maxwell and ANSYS OptiSlang. So even if you're not a Maxwell user, it's a great example of how you can use OptiSlang to connect to the ANSYS product family to optimize something. So it's a great example of that tool as well. Event-wise, we've got, of course, the uh, webinar on HFSS uh, 2021 R2 tomorrow on 825. And again, you can listen to that as a recording at brighttalk.com. And that's it for August. We're done. This, this show uh, is done on Thursday, and we'll close out the month and get into September. Right now, the biggest thing, we'll, we'll be putting some webinars up. We'll have our normal two webinars. But also, um, Rapid TCT is coming up, which is the big 3D printing show. And of course, it's been a long time. It's been, it was virtual last year. Um, so, uh, PDT doesn't have a booth there, but lots of PDT folks will be wandering around. So if you see somebody in a PDT shirt and you're at Rapid TCT, say hi. 
Um, and that's it. I want to thank you all for your patience and uh, listening and uh, uh, to this, this late episode. And don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter so you can keep up to date on what's going on in the world of PAT at www.patinc.com slash opt in. And do spread the word about the podcast. Subscribe at your uh, standard podcast subscription service. And don't hesitate to reach out. Thank you for joining us for the All Things ANSYS podcast, episode 95. As a reminder, this podcast is not affiliated in any way with ANSYS, Inc., and the opinions expressed are those of the people on the show only and not of their current or former employers. For more information, visit www.padtinc.com slash blog, and please share your thoughts and questions through an email to podcast at padtinc.com. See you next time.